A pleasant good morning to everyone and welcome to another edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. It is the last show for 2022. So hoping everyone a outstanding new year. 2023 is uh, fast approaching. Uh, we'll have a uh, uh, we'll consider talking about the New Year's wish list, and uh, we'll kind of put it as far as, as sports-wise. If you are a Alabama State alum, what's your wish list? If you're a Jackson State, what's your wish list? Southern University, what's your wish list? Et cetera, et cetera. But here's what's coming up on today's show. Uh, Charles Edmond will join us very shortly of the Allcorn State Radio Network. Uh, Braxton Blackwell, he's uh, the long slap, long snapper specialist for Southern University football. Uh, we'll revisit with him after uh, 2022 football season. If you remember, uh, I talked with him uh, before fall camp and just kind of get an update on uh, what's going on. As for his football career. Also, Coach Van Petaway joins us in our number two SWAC basketball conference opener. Are started are scheduled for Monday, both on the women's and the men's side. So uh, let the race begin. And then uh, Willa Brown, he'll join me, and and I might just have both of them on at the same time because two weeks ago. Uh, we had a, a very interesting uh, dialogue as far as uh, from a coach's perspective about basketball coaches and, and their non-conference schedule. And then we had Willa Brown, and he talked about it from an athletic director's perspective, Coach Petaway, from a coaching perspective. So we'll see if we can um, continue that conversation. Let's see if we have Charles Edmond joining us now. Or if I need to take a no, there, there we go, there we go. Charles, good morning to you, sir. How you doing? Good morning, happy holidays, and um, happy New Year. <laughs> happy yeah, pre New Year, anyway. Right, twenty twenty three, uh, uh, fast approaching, and you know it's been an interesting year for us uh, sports wise. We've lost some some iconic figures. We've had some exciting. Um, Sporting events, and by the way, Pele uh, passed away. What yesterday? Uh, a tremendous and, and an iconic uh, soccer slash football player. Growing up, basically, he was the guy that you look up to as far as soccer, as we call it in America, but worldwide, it's football. You know, so. Um, just one of many that that have gone on that affected this world and specifically as far as uh, sports. Um, here's what's trending. Since the last time we talked, which was two weeks ago, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, Charles, but um, North Carolina Central, the 2022 uh, National Black College Champions, Dave Jackson State 41 to 34 in overtime. We're going to come back to that. Get your uh, perspective on that, Charles. Also, since the last time we've talked, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, Mississippi Valley State, and Bethune Cookman. They've hired football coaches. 
And of course, the SWAG Basketball Conference opener starts Monday. So let uh, the games begin. Um, 41 to 34, Jackson State, uh, for the second year in a row, had an outstanding season. Let's just call it the way we see it here. But for the second year in a row, they go celebration bowl, and and this time I know it was a, it could have been a lot of distractions, but I I just don't believe in all, all of that as far as how did it affect Jackson State game winning overtime, but uh, Jackson State for the second year in a row they fall in the last game of the season, Charles. Yes, um, and it was kind of a surprise, you know. We 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 pull for our teams. During the season, we pull for our teams in the championship game, but then we pull for the swag in the celebration bowl. And so obviously pulling for Jackson State, I just didn't see that coming in terms of what North Carolina Central was able to do with their quarterback and running the football. They just really, you know, they gashed Jackson State offensively. I didn't see that coming. Jackson put up enough points to win the game, but their defense sprung major leaks. And, uh, you know, that was that. That was the big story. Even though Jackson had a chance to tie it up, the tight end dropped a, a touchdown in the end zone. Um, but not, nonetheless, I was really surprised at how Jackson State defensively just didn't quite bring it. And there are some reasons behind it. There's stuff on social media about certain players defensively were not playing in the game due to suspensions or whatever the case. Uh, but nonetheless, I think Jackson State defensively was – Part of the reason, the big reason, in my opinion, in watching the game, why they lost the game, Central was just able to run the football at will. Their quarterback, a dual threat, a Richard, and I thought that was a difference in the game. I thought Jackson State offensively would score points, but I didn't think their defense would give up nearly as many points. So I thought that was the big story. But, hey, congratulations, Noel, and the MEAC continues to, to dominate the SWAC in the Celebration Bowl. Well, you're absolutely right. As far as you know, they have the most victories in the Celebration Bowl. But I, w- I would look at this North Carolina team, Corey Oliver, who uh, many Southern remember, defensive coordinator at Southern University under Coach uh, Dawson Odoms. For the second year in, in a row, uh, and I guess I can speak this way. Coach Oliver kind of talked about being disrespected the whole the whole week. And, and, and basically because uh, Jackson State, whether you like it or not, with their previous coach, social media, they're going to get a lot of the uh, attendance defeated. But I thought that game was won right in the trenches. North Carolina Central O-line and defensive line was very physical. And we've talked about it a lot, you know, about – Maybe what's the difference in the play, the MEAC, but they, they are physical. And you're right. They gassed Jackson State defensively. And, and I guess the prognosticators uh, didn't see that coming as far as a uh, that has been spectacular all season, that defense being Jackson State uh, University. But um, North Carolina, whether Jackson State had players out or not, no excuse because they talked about dominating and, and the next man up, North Carolina Central just, and I mean from the physical physical point. And then I, I thought they, coaching-wise, they had a great game plan. They cued it, and uh, they went toe-to-toe with Jackson State University. 
diversion, but you can do um, this football game being won in the trenches. And, and, and that's where it's won. And, and a lot of times we look at the explosive plays, uh, wide receivers, quarterbacks running. That's part of the football. But when you look at it, Charles, I'd rather a dominant O-line and D-line at North Carolina Central. Now, some people say they have a couple of weeks. To that That is an advantage. I understand that point being made. But North Carolina Central, if they're feeling disrespectful, they're going to bring their A game, and they were able to uh, take care of business uh, 41 to 34 over North Carolina Central. Uh, Charles, speaking of that, I think we did talk about last time uh, T.C. Taylor, uh, head football coach now at Jackson State, and, and they're off and running as far as uh, uh, recruiting. They have some players that went into Portland. Now they're coming back. So they're ready to to run this 2023 football season, and uh, we we kind of talked about maybe a, a too early, too early thoughts with FAMU. Um, they they're doing outstanding recruiting, Alcorn, um, you know, Morgan State and the MEAC. So you're looking at different uh, teams that are really uh, being successful in the transfer portal. But uh, once again, congratulations to TC Taylor. I'm happy for him, and you always talk about opportunities, and this is an opportunity for T.C. Taylor. Um, UAPB hires uh, finally a new coach, Mississippi Valley State, and uh, Bethune-Cookman and Ed Reed. So on social media, Charles, and other uh, places where they're discussing these coaches, the, the simple question now are we seeing a trend? And I think we kind of got into it a little bit a couple of weeks ago of hiring uh, high-profile name coaches. I've called it celebrity coaches. Are we going to see this? Is this a trend? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, the SWAC, just like many conferences, are a copycat conference. Um, and so what happened at Jackson State worked about all the other stuff surrounding it. But you, there's no doubt that Ashley Robinson made at the hire Deion Sanders. And just think about when he took that program over. Look at what Jackson State was prior to him taking over. You had Tony Hughes. You had oh, James Bell. You had all kinds of coaches there that just couldn't get it done. And Coach Sanders, to uh, many people's surprise, including mine, got it done a lot quicker than what I thought a lot quicker than a lot of people thought. So you look at that success and other ADs in this conference and other presidents in this conference want to see the same success. So what do you do? You try to emulate some of that now. And that's exactly what Bethune-Cookman did. Then you add the fact that Bethune-Cookman has an athletic director who's a former player and Reggie Theus, albeit he's a basketball coach and he's a basketball person. I think clearly Reggie Theus sees that that's a possibility and an opportunity. You had Ed Reed, Miami, the U as an assistant coach. So he kind of felt what it takes. And I do think, you know, some conversations were had and clearly Bethune-Cookman wants to be in that conversation because right now they're not. They've won, what, three games in the last couple of years? And look, why not? 
why not roll the dice and take a chance? Look at where you are right now. You have nowhere to go but up. So, yes, it's always a gamble when you hire a coach. Yes, it's a gamble when you're hiring a high-profile coach. Yes, it's a gamble when you're hiring a former NFL player, former assistant coach with no head coaching experience. It's a gamble. But it's a gamble that Bethune-Cookman obviously can take the chance on, just like it was a gamble that Ashley Robinson took the chance on. It worked at Jackson State. Hugh Jackson and Grambling dropped. But at Bethune-Cookman, you have nowhere to go but up. So you roll the dice. You say, what the heck? Why not? Why not us? Why not Jackson? Why not Bethune? And I think that's where, you know, that's where Cookman is right now on that hire. We'll see how it, how it works out. You know, their president has said they'll put more resources into athletics. He's hmm. come out and said that he's going to put more resources into the football program. They show sure don't need, need it. To. He will need they, to. They, they, are, they will show, they show needed. S-H-O-L-E. <laughs> They'll need it. And uh, we'll see a good coaching staff around him. Previous coaches that understand the NCAA dynamics, I'm sure he'll do that. I'm sure there are going to be some previous, some players that are going to be on that staff too. We talked about this, Carlos. You know, Ed Reed's name popped up at Grambling. Um and other places. So it's not like this is a total surprise. His name's been bantied about. So this this isn't a total surprise. You look at that program, you look at where it is, you roll the dice, you see what happens. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But why not? You have a program that's won three games in the last two years. So why not us? Why not Bethune-Cookman? So they're going for it, Carlos. They're swinging for the fences. We'll see what happens. Well, sometimes old saying what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. And I understand people uh, want to emulate and, and they have a right to do so if that's the, what they choose to do. And in this case, Bethune-Cookman has done I, I haven't talked to a lot of Bethune-Cookman alums, I, but I used to talk to one in particular. Um, Ed Reed was not his first choice, but since that's the choice that's been made, uh, he, he, he's going to uh, back uh, the coach, Coach Ed Reed. I think it's going to be critical to have an outstanding staff. And look, with Jackson State, as, as much as Coach Sanders with the name recognition, I thought he had an outstanding staff. I, I've said it. I thought Dennis Thurman was the, the MVP of that staff de defensively. Uh, what they were able to do 99% of the time of this past season. But uh, alumni, resources, and, and I get it, his name recognition, He'll have connections with some of those resources. Yes, it is a gamble. And, and, and once again, no head coaching experience, but not to doubt that the uh, football knowledge, the IQ, is outstanding. But when you look at a head coach, Charles, and, and I was talking to a, a longtime friend this past week, um, you're more of a CEO. It's more than just X's and O's, you know, you, of course, with the transfer portal, uh, also the academic side, you know, support staff that's in place. Need more resources to help with that. So it, it, it's a it's a total package. And it's interesting that Ashley Robinson, after that, you know, splash hire and it was successful, but it's not the first time if you look at it that uh, 
recognize or name recognize a celebrity coaches with names. You know, you look at Doug Williams, had NFL experience, came to the conference, did well, did well. Coach Pete Richardson played in the NFL, came into coaching. So, no, it, it, it's no guarantee that there's going to be success. But now I understand. I get it. It's a quick fix, instant gratification society that we're in right now. And, and that is uh, what's what's trending. So that's why I asked you the question. Is this something that we're going to continue uh, to see? Yeah, we are. But 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 we've only looked at one successful story so far in the present, and that's Coach Sanders. Yeah, and Eddie uh, George at Tennessee State has not had the success, but albeit playing in a different conference, the Ohio Valley. So I'll let you guys debate which conference is is the strongest for its competition, Ohio Ohio Valley or the Southwestern Athletic Conference. But um. Coach Ed Reed, new head football coach at uh, Bethune-Cookman. Also, uh, Coach Hampton is now the new head football coach, Alonzo Hampton, at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Now, that one was uh, a, a total surprise to me. Not Bethune-Cookman and, and, and Coach Ed Reed, but more uh, of Hampton. I had to go do a little research on him and um, uh, he comes back to the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, but he's uh, been all over the place. University of Louisiana uh, Monroe. And actually that's where he was when it, uh, now getting uh, uh, the hire. Uh, he was a four-year letterman as a defensive back. He played at ULM. Um, Wells. He worked as a defensive analyst for Chad Morris at Arkansas in 2019 he served as a special teams coordinator for Willie Taggart at Florida State in 2018. So he has a uh, good experience. Also a defensive analyst at Oregon and, of course, at South Florida. So I, I kind of was surprised at this hire. And on paper, and we always say on paper, it seems to be a good hire. We'll have to look three to four years from now to kind of see how the hire, how has it gone? But um, really surprised with this one. So I, on paper, it seems to be a, a, a good hire with a lot of football experience and coaching experience. Yeah, if, if there's a, and of course I know all the, some of the movers and shakers throughout the league. If there's a, if there's a school, if there's an AD, if there's an administration in this conference that practices patience, it's UAPB. They are not quick to pull the hook on coaches. Um, so I think with a fairly new AD there, um, I do think there will be a lot of patience there at UAPB because that's another program. You know, they they won the West a couple of years ago in that spring season. I think they got a little taste of success. And I don't think they were really interested in the celebrity, quote unquote, celebrity hire. I just think they wanted the good, gritty, hard-nosed football coach. You got that. You got someone with some Arkansas ties. You got some. You got a coach that's been on the FBS level. So I, I do agree. I kind of agree with this hire, to be honest. Kind of the under the radar type of hire that takes the pressure off the head coach a little bit. And again, UAPB is not one of those programs in which there's pressure to win right away. I think it is going to take a little bit of time there. It's going to take two or three years just to see where that program is from a football perspective. 
So I, I don't have a problem with that hire at all. I think it's going to take time. Um, I do think Doc Gamble left a few tools in the toolbox, but I think, you know, that's going to change a little bit. So I, I kind of agree with the hire. I don't have a problem with it because you just look at the dynamics of that program overall. I mean, George Ivory was the head basketball coach of that program for many years. He had great success, but then towards the end, he didn't. You know, he's at Valley now, but, you know, the hook could have been pulled on George Ivory long before he left there, but they kept him there with the hopes that he would turn it around. So that, that's to my point of practicing patience. I think the same will, be, will, will happen at UAPB. So that coach will get some time to turn it around. He's going to need some time. Some plans for it out. And with the portal, you can you can improve almost immediately. The question is, will all the pieces fit? So I don't have a problem with that hire at all. I think it's an under-the-radar hire, and I think in time, UAPB will be better, better, more solid, on more solid ground than uh, where, where they were. Doc Gamble just never – and I like Doc Gamble because he worked at Allcorn. He was, you know, he was running backs coach with Jay Hobson and all that. You know, Doc and I talk when I see him. But he just, after that spring season, just couldn't get it to that next step. And I just think, you know, unfortunately, you know, Alcorn got in the way too. Uh, because after losing to Alcorn the last two seasons, they just completely fell off the map. But I think, you know, with, with a fresh start, with some patience, I think UAPB will, you know, will mix it up a little bit in the Western Division. So that will be a team to, to kind of look at down the road. And then finally, uh, Kendrick Wade. Uh, welcome as a new head football coach at Mississippi Valley State. And hey, uh, it, that's always a tough situation as far as, uh, you know, resources and, and not giving the allotment of uh, uh, scholarships. Um, but uh, he played at Mississippi Valley State and uh, previously before he was hired uh, at Mississippi Valley State was a, a assistant at Delta State, which uh, Delta State has a very successful uh, football program. So a, a, a young guy, uh, mind you, not having the, the, the most resources to work with, I think this will be a, a case, as with UAPB, um, patience and have an opportunity to, to, to grow the program. And, um, you know, you got to give in both cases, uh, believe it or not, uh, sometime, you know, four to five years to look to see uh, uh, where where they they're at. But uh, you, you can't think. But uh, there's only one way, and that's up uh, for Mississippi Valley State uh, coach Dancy, of course, now on the staff with Coach Sanders at Colorado, uh, did did the best that he could, and and many would say uh, just a, a very outstanding. Uh, job at Mississippi Valley State, but being, of course, in the Eastern Division with Jackson State and FAMU and Alabama State and Alabama A&M, uh, he'll have his work cut out for him, but uh, we wish again for uh, Coach Hampton, Coach Reed, and Coach Wade uh, much success in their football hires, Charles. Yeah, as far as Valley situation, you know, I want to, I would like to just play the what-if game. You know, people that I know came to me within the last couple of months and one guy said Coach Dancy was in trouble. There was going to be a change. And then other another guy came to me who was fairly well embedded into that situation, said that, you know, what else you going to do but keep more because the team has been playing tough. So I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously when you go from making what you were making 
247. I think that's the salary that's re- that was reported at Colorado. You got to take that. There's there's no question about that. Um, I thought Coach Dancy again a situation where he did the best that he could with what he had. Um, tried to get the best players considering the circumstances and all that. I think he did the best that he could. Um, they were competitive at the end, um, but you know he took an opportunity. So now you got to kind of go back from square one. You have a coach there that's familiar with Mississippi Valley. You have a coach that's familiar with the Delta of Mississippi. You got a you got a great community college system in Mississippi, especially in the uh-huh. Delta, that you can you can pull from. And you have someone that's familiar with all of that. So again, I think that's a fairly good hire. It's a safe hire. It doesn't come with a lot of splash, you know, and a lot of flair. That's probably the way Valley wants it. So again, I think Valley just like Bethune and UAPB. You got to practice a little patience. You got to give a coach a time to build it, even though the East is FAMU, then I would say Bama State, um, num- number two, of, you know, with Alabama A&M still trying to figure things out a little bit. So if you can improve that and be you mix it up in the East with Valley and Bethune, I think you've improved your program, at least from the start, and then the expectations ramp up from there. But I, I like what Valley – I like to hire again someone that's familiar with the Delta, familiar with Valley. And I, I think, again, I think if he gets – the right amount of pieces in there, you, you'll be very competitive over a period of time. Just relax. Like Aaron Rodgers says, relax, practice some patience, and I think you'll see the results on the other side. Well, patience is uh, not a popular <laughs> uh, feeling right now in this conference because it, it seems like, talk about it a couple of years ago when Famu and Bethune-Cookman entered the conference, not that there wasn't pressure already. It amplified the pressure to win now. And you kind of can look um, at, at social media. Um, also, fans, uh, you know, put out their feelings via social media. And now it, it, it's it's instant gratification. They want a championship or, or be in contention for a championship probably within a couple of years. And in some cases, like you look at Southern University, Coach Dooley, Western Division, albeit had some help uh, in year one, now I think the pressure is really there. And and, and I think he understands that. And he welcomes that challenge. You have student-athletes going in the portal left and right. Um college free agency is the way I term it is now a part of college football and Pandora's box has been open. Look, I understand a, a lot of players have made a lot of universities, student athletes, a lot of money. And for that, they would, you know, they're given free scholarships, tuitions, books, what have you. But now it's a race to get there quickly. And so we see all these dynamics that are interchangeable going on now in in college football. So there is tremendous pressure. If you look at Jackson State, you know, the success they had the last couple of years, now T.C. Taylor, he's one of their own head football coach now. There's going to be pressure there. They're doing well in recruiting, as we can see so far, by the way. The early signing period has come and passed, and now the tradition. Additional signing days is fast approaching. 
You look at Alcorn State from the outside looking in. Alcorn has done uh, some some good things recruiting wise in the early signing period. You know, Charles, you may disagree. I understand, but there is pressure there uh, with um, Coach McNair to 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 do better. So it is pressure. So all of that to say this: patience is a virtue. Uh, me personally, I had to learn to uh, to to work on being patient. You know, yeah. it, it, it's a thing that you have to, to have to work on. And so with all of that being said, and these, and these fan bases and uh, man, and, and they let you know through social media, you don't have a traditional, traditional grace period. That's gone. And we look at uh, some of uh, our other peers out of conference, it's the same thing. You got to win now and you got to win quickly. So thus is the state of college athletics. When and when now? Well, I'll say this about Alcorn, just based on some people that I've talked to. And I, and yes, I, I admit that I didn't think the pressure was there initially, especially you know going into this past season. But based on the 18 that we signed in the early signing period, including a dual threat quarterback and some of the skilled receivers that we that we signed in the early signing period, uh, based on just some conversations and some intel that I'm getting, there the pressure is ramped up a, quite a bit now. Uh, look at the Western Division right. You know, uh, Kyle Mosley came out with his way too early prediction and believed that Texas Southern was going to win the Western Division. I don't know if you saw that or not. Wait a minute, um, wait a minute. But that's for 2023. That's for 2023. He 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 feels like Kyle uh, Kyle Mosley and he covers Texas Southern as well as Prairie View and he, he's in Talents. He believes that Texas Southern, in his in his opinion, will win the West this year. And I think it's because he feels like, in my opinion, I think Andrew Body's much improved. He will carry that team. The defense is much improved based on the players they signed in the transfer portal. So I get it. I, I, I get that. And, yes, Andrew Body is one of the more veteran quarterbacks in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. I get it. But but back to Alcorn, I, just based on just some information I'm getting that, yeah, Coach McNair is, is – is locked in and focused. And I think he realizes that this has got to be the year to be improved from these last two years. And it starts with the quarterback position. We signed a dual threat, a true dual threat quarterback from Mizzou. I've seen the film on him. He looks really good. And so we'll see how that turns out. A lot of good receivers got to build it up front. Uh, You know, you talk about O-line and D-line. I think defensively we'll be fine. We lost our D-line coach, by the way, who's now the defensive quarterback coordinator at Jack. Um, so that's going to be, you know, never, never ending storylines. I mean, this is going to be really interesting again, probably more dramatic than it was last year when we come to media day, but yeah, there is, there is, there's some pressure clearly. And I think coach McNair, what he's done, the six straight division titles and all that. But I think these last two years has left some people feeling a certain kind of way. And I think this year we got Valley coming to us. We got Southern coming to us. We got Grambling coming to us. We're going to have a pretty good home schedule. We got to make a stamp. We got to make a statement in the Western Division. So I think, you know, the early signing period reflects the fact that, hey, we got to get it done this year. We got to be in the mix this year. So to answer your question, you talk about pressure. Yeah, I do think there's a little bit of pressure from Coach McNair knowing that he's got to improve from 2023, from 2022 to 2023. There's no question about that. 
Oh boy, I'm I'm, I'm kind of looking at some of the <laughs> the conversations going on in the chat room. Someone says Texas Southern will finish no better than third in 2023. Well, you know the the way too early predictions. It's to get um, you know conversation going, and you know you, you got to have you got the final piece of the uh, signing class coming up February first. Then you have spring uh, ball. Then you have uh, summer conditioning. Then you, you know, you, you have student athletes in, in summer school. So things quit changes ever evolving from January until the start of fall camp and, and the season. Um, I, I try to be objective as, as much as possible. Um, but hey, I understand it. I get it. The way too early. And that's why they call it the way too early. Uh, predictions as far as who's going to do what. Now, we're going to transition up of our number two because as much football talk, and, and rightfully so, it's basketball season, Charles, and, and you go into, as we get ready to take this time out and get ready for our next guest, um, successful non-conference season for the SWAC, although the records may not uh, necessarily say that, but you know, some some they did have some big out of conference uh, wins as far in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and there's going to be some pressure on some coaches, basketball wise. Look, you're never going to accuse me, although I have on a new attire with Southern University. Quite simply, Coach Woods, I think he's on the hot seat. I mean, and, and and people have asked me, and I'm, I'm just going to be brutally honest. You never accuse me of being a homer. I call it the way I see it. He's got to make it to championship contention. I'm not saying he has to win it. That would help. But he's got to get there. And you look back at last season, for the most part, did very well. And then past the three-fourth mark in the conference season, they start slipping, and then the early exit lost to Grammar State three times. That cannot happen. And by the way, I'm asking Coach Petaway to reshuffle those those predictions. I think Grammar State and Alcorn on the men's side it's going to be a tremendous battle. And then you got Southern Texas Southern Prairie View. But anyway, I'll I'll stop that. But Charles, I'll say it. Coach Woods is on the hot seat as far as got to get it got to get it done. Got to get it done. Got to at least make it to the tournament championship. That's my prediction. But on that note, Charles, I'll let you comment on that when we come back. We'll take a time out. You're watching the call right here on the Black College Sports Network. We shall return. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
shot. I get the now bar, please. One dollar. Have a good one. You got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. You got it. Angus Beef Ballpark Frank, and you'll say... Hello, Summer. Oh, yeah. It's ballpark season. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Motivation. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. It's like a loop machine. So, so. 
shop Velvet Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Velvet Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Brian Fulford. A.B. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. Wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton, Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show. Watch exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Coles Brown, Charles F., and we're going to be joined by Braxton Blackwell. Uh, he's a student athlete for Southern University, long snapper specialist, and I always say specialist. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, awarded after the season, uh, second team, I believe. Maybe first, but I, I, I know he was on the uh, all-swag football team. Uh, Braxton, uh, good morning to you, sir. Welcome back to the Coles Brown Show. Good morning to y'all, too, man. How are y'all doing today, man? Good morning. Well, uh, good morning. I, I, I'm doing fine. And, um, you know, the last time we talked, it was basically before the season. And so now you've uh, completed your first year at Southern University. Kind of want to reflect back on it. Um, how was that season uh, for you personally? Uh, me personally, uh, it was a really good season in my opinion. Uh, you know, it, we didn't finish how we wanted. You know, we wanted to, of course, win the Celebration Bowl, get to the Celebration Bowl, we'll win the SWAG Championship. You know, we didn't get it there. Um, but that really just builds us and lets us grow better. But reflecting on the season, I felt like uh, it was a good season. Um, and I'm looking forward to next year. So, In, in a season – 
you know, I know for us, a team-wise, uh, you have some adversity, some ups and downs. Did you experience that as far as a member of Southern University, as far as uh, some adversity? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, the adversity really was like whenever – I think what the really bummer was was whenever we lost Texas Southern. Like uh, we kind of felt like like as a team we shouldn't have lost that game. And then that's when we realized that we had to step our game up. So I feel like Texas Southern was really – um, slapped in the face and made us just keep our head up. And that was the adversity that we were going through because we don't, we know, we know like just how we played that we should have never lost to them. It's just, that's just the mindset we had. But no, nah, that's, that's really the adversity we had. And with me, I mean, I, I had a little bit, but like I just kept, I guess, keeping my head right and just keep going and going. So that I really just, just kept going. Don't stop. Now, we, we, we've talked on and off, and uh, I want to bring up this point, um, because you got there literally right before fall camp. So now you'll have an opportunity to go through a, a, a spring and then, of course, a traditional uh, fall camp. Um, how big will that be for you, the first part of the, the question, and then – the second part is, as far as uh, the, the atmosphere and uh, the Jaguar Nation embracing you, was it as advertised uh, for, for you? Yeah, so to answer the first question, you know, it's I think it's a huge part to be able for me to be there in the whole spring because, like I said, I came in, I think, in the summer or, yeah, a little bit before the season started summer. Yeah, I came in during the southern summer. So I feel like being there with a team, you know, getting a new bomb with everybody else that's coming in and being able to go through all the workouts, just going to build me up, get me uh, faster, stronger, you know, and be able to kind of keep staying in that weight room because we have a good weight room coach, uh, Coach Jones. So, like, I know he's going to get me right. He's going to get the team right. So just being able to be there with the team, um, being able to get ready, you know, do school, finish school a little bit out, and then – you know, just get stronger, faster, and work on my craft is really a, a huge thing. And then the answer to the second question, yeah, um, Jaguar Nation and the whole you know Southern University you know football program, it, it was it was as marketed. Um, you know, the fans are you know much loved, and they all came. They showed their support, and you know that's really big coming from you know we got the West champs and all that, and just having that support there and having that support system was really huge for us. I felt like. And we hope to just bring in more next year as well. Like we just hope to keep building up the numbers, keep packing out Mumford. You know, that's kind of that's kind of what I believe on is. I believe that you know it was as advertised, and I feel like our fan base is one of the best in the swag. So, well, Charles, he talks about um, you know coming right before the season started, and um, you know, hey, <laughs> albeit Braxton is from <laughs> from the the south. It's just something about the the, the, the humidity in, in, in Baton Rouge because I remember we talked and you were like, "Wow, uh, you know, it, 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 it's it's really tough." But you you were able to uh, play in some great venues. Also, talk about that atmosphere at LSU, Veterans Memorial, um, Bragg Stadium, Famu. That mm-hmm. that was that's what that's what makes um, I, I think the, the swag atmosphere special. No, um, for sure. Yeah, the LSU game was by far, you know, you know, the most attendance, of course, you know, you're playing an SEC opponent. But, you know, going in that atmosphere, um, you would be surprised. It was a little hostile, you know, just like every other team. Whenever you go in the Death Valley, it's always hostile. 
Um, but, you know, going into that stadium, like I said, when I said at the beginning of the season, you know, I grew up wanting to play in that stadium. So being able to play in that atmosphere was just, you know, insane, and it was a dream come true for me. But playing in front of 103,000, that's wild. You don't do that every time in your life. You know, like not everybody will play in front of 103,000. To have that opportunity to go out there and showcase what we have to offer and what our team had to offer was something that was huge for Southern football and just huge for, you know, Baton Rouge in, in general. And that was just such a great game. And, you know, that's that's one of the games I reflect back on that, you know, was very exciting. And also, yeah, playing in front of, you know, the Florida A&M, playing at Jackson, you know, both really, really, you know, good places to play at, really good fan bases. You know, the atmospheres were crazy. Um, and also, um, don't forget the Bayou Classic. The Bayou Classic was something that I'll never forget. My first Bayou Classic – you know, 60, 60 plus thousand people there, I think. And it, it was, that was a crazy experience. Just seeing the love, seeing just everyone, you know, getting along, you know, being able to play that game, you know, it was physical, tough, fast and all that. And it was, just, it was just a crazy atmosphere there too. Like just, just a dream come true for sure. Charles, uh, you have a question for Braxton because I, I, I have a couple more, particularly that, <laughs> During the commercial break, we were talking about the Alcorn State game, and that's always a battle. But um, that was a tremendous uh, game, and and the special teams uh, guys, I think they're very close on this football team, and uh, they're specialists. And I, and just in my humble opinion, they did an outstanding job uh, this past season. Yeah. Uh Great, great stuff other than talking about the Alcorn game. I thought we forgot about the Alcorn game, but I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. Uh, I'll give you a pass on that one. But look, I want to talk about your season because it was a season of ups and downs. You know, you started out with the Texas Southern loss, then you bounced back, you blow out UAPB, and then that tough two-game stretch, Jackson and Florida and them on the road, and then you beat Valley Talk downs and how you're able to fight through all that adversity because I was really concerned at you know the Jackson family. That was a tough two game stretch on the road back to back, but then you bounce back. Where, where did it get to a point, or what was the message from your coaches in terms of staying with it? Because the Western Division, you know, Alcorn was definitely in, in, in the hunt, Southern, you had uh, the yeah, Texas Southern that was there, and of course, Prairie View was kind of you know a four horse race, and you all came out of that. So just talk about the ebb and flows of the season and when it got bad, when things got tough, how were you able to pick yourselves up? Because there were some tough losses there in conference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, the Texas Southern one was a bummer, of course. But I would just say, you know, it, it was just great. Um, our coaching staff, you know, Coach Dooley always told us that we were meant to, you know, this is the team that was going to go to the championship. So he always told us to – keep fighting, keep working, you know, just keep doing the work and it's going to happen. He said, we just got to fight, 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 no matter if we lose or not. So it's just, I think it was just a mindset of like, you know, the coaches and everything. They, they always said, we're never out of this. Like we're always in this. He, like we got crazy faith, everything like that. Like he said, we got crazy faith. We were meant to go to the championship, everything like that. So just going through all the losses that, that, you know, we shouldn't have lost realistically um, in my opinion, um, it was just good that, you know, the coaches kept being positive. We kept just working, keeping going. Everybody's mindset was still the same. We got, we had crazy faith throughout the whole, whole season, no matter, even after we lost the fan mute, we still had that mindset that we were still going to go to the championship. We knew that Prairie View was going to drop. We knew that, um, Valley was going to win. Like we all knew that. So like, we just had that mindset going into it 
and we was just preparing for that championship. And we just prepared to be ready. So that's just kind of how we deal with the adversity as a team is we just stayed, stayed focused, stayed working and just kept going. What, what was the speech from coach Dooley to your team after losing to Jackson state in the championship and trying to, you know, put that, keep that fire in your belly to get to that next level. What was, what was the speech to coach Dooley after that Jackson loss? Cause you spotted them too many points early. Obviously mm-hmm. you all kept fighting and battling mm-hmm. and had a shot there in the second mm-hmm. half, but just, you know, Jackson got out of the gates too fast and we all know how that happened. But what was the speech mm-hmm. from Coach Dewey to your team to keep that fire burning to get ready for the 2023 season? All I'm going to say is he said, we'll be back. We'll be back. Trust it. We'll be back. And this time it's going to be on the other side. We're going to, have, we're going to be having the um, championship. And then we're going to go to the celebration when we're going to win. That was his That was his mindset. Well, Braxton Charles, I, I bet you a, a lot of Southern fans can't can't wait for that. And now that the season is over with, kind of walk us through what uh, most student athletes are uh, you know doing uh, this time. I know it's a, a rest somewhat, but we know football is an all year uh, situation, both mentally and physically. What what is the mindset now of of what needs to take place or what's going to take place? Uh, for you and your teammates? Yeah, um, I think just taking place. You know, when everybody comes in in the spring, I feel like um, we just got to get in that weight room. Um, that's the main thing is just getting stronger, faster, tougher. You know, that's the that's always the main thing with spring. That's why you get there. You get there early. You get ready. You hit them weights all through the spring, all through the summer. You know, you do the spring practice. That kind of helps you get the playbook, everything like that, and just be able to build, you know, the chemistry with your new teammates and old teammates to be getting ready for the fall season. So I feel like that's a big thing for our team. I think that's going to be the main thing that's really good is just getting into the weight room and just, you know, go through them spring practices and get ready for the season. That's that's what I take about that. So, And Braxton, you know, the transfer portal now, it's uh, I, I term it free agency is now in, in college athletics. A, a, as far as, you know, players or teammates leaving and, and coming, uh, do you guys get a chance to, to kind of talk about that, about the transfer portal, and and how can you guys help, you know, trying to recruit or uh, help with recruiting new players? Um, not really. I, I think you know the coaches do a really good job at the recruiting part. But see, just when I see like like this is just what I do is like whenever I see like guys getting offered, you know, I always just shoot them a DM because you know I want to be the that just you know what like you know, thanks, like, just basically gives them appreciation for, you know, putting in their hard work and getting that offer. So, like, I just really just reach out to them and tell them, hey, Southern's the place to come. You know, um, we got a family here, great culture, um, got a winning tradition with Coach Dooley being a head coach. Like, it's just it's just a great place to be right now. So, I would say any, any commit or anybody that has an offer to Southern, I would say go ahead and come here now and get on the train and get ready because we're going to be back in the championship this year. So, I mean, there's no there's no questions asked. Southern is the place to be right now. And and with Coach Dooley and, and the staff, I mean, we see one angle of them, uh, uh, one uh, perspective. But you guys are more, you know, you see different things. Coach Dooley and the staff, what has impressed you about them after – uh, being there now for for uh, a half a year, a, a semester. Um, just being able to you know keep going. Uh, Coach 
Dooley is a very, very smart man. And then our defense coordinator also, I felt like defense was amazing all year as well. Defense was a big part. And then Coach Graves, all the special team stuff we ran, the fakes we ran, you know, stuff like that. I felt like the whole coaching staff as a whole did a, a phenomenal job. And I feel like it's just going to grow on the next year. And I just feel like the coaching staff is great. I, I love every single body on the coaching staff. So, I mean, everybody did their part. You know, just went from being in there in the summer, you know, just getting on us, you know, being mentally there, just being, you know, always harping on us to that we were the team and we were going to be always great. So just being able to harp on all that is just, you know, that's what made us great. And the coaches, coaches are the main reason why we did as well as we did. Because they always harped on us every day about that. I understand visiting with Braxton Blackwell, member of Southern University's football team. Long specialist. Uh, Braxton, what do you want to improve on as we close this interview? What's something that you, you think that you can be much better at in in year two and, and what uh, fans should be able to look at and see as far as that improvement? Well, yeah. So I, this year I'm going to do a lot to do a lot better job um, at, you know, getting down the field in coverage. Uh, I felt like, you know, I didn't have the best coverage season. Getting down there, I just wasn't making the plays that I wanted to. There was a lot of missed opportunities that I had that I could have made a tackle, stuff like that. So I want to work on that and just getting faster, stronger, you know. Um, that's the main thing for me is just getting bigger and stronger faster and, and getting more versatile. So, I mean, that's what I'm going to be working on, I know for a fact. Um, and also just working on, you know, the speed of my snap as well. I mean, I, I don't have bad speed right now, but I want to have better speed um, and just be able to be, you know, versatile, like I said, and be able to get down the field and go make some plays for our uh, special special teams coverage. Yeah, so Charles, a, a, a lot of people maybe don't uh, pay enough attention. I'll put it that way with special teams, but you know, the cliche is uh, you can lose a couple of ball games. You can win a couple of ball games. And, and I, I just thought uh, special teams while university uh, uh, did very, very well this season. Um, Brad Jackson, appreciate the time coming on today's show. Happy new year uh, to you. Yes, sir. 2023. I hope it's the best for not only you, your family, but also uh, a Southern university and, and to achieve that goal, to get to Atlanta, if that happens, my goodness, I know of uh, one happy person. I may just party the whole time. I may just stay in Atlanta <laughs> for a week. <laughs> uh, appreciate the time, Braxton, and uh, we'll, we'll yes, talk sir. again real soon. Yes, sir. Hey, y'all, thank y'all for having me on. Take care. That was uh, Brad Blackwell, long snapper. Specialist smiling on that part. Big man, man, my goodness! If I don't know how to act, celebration. Oh yeah, <laughs> I may have to sit in the crowd. I may have to pay, <laughs> uh, pay for that ticket and, and just sit in that crowd and experience it. But a lot of work has to take place before then, and we don't want to have a, a, another too early prediction uh, for 2023 because we got some basketball uh, coming up, Charles. Uh, Alcorn State and Grambling, basketball on the men's side. I think that's who's going to yeah. think they're going to battle. I I think right now, just based on just what I'm looking at, I think, of course, the Braves are the defending regular season champs. Texas Southern's the defending tournament champs. But Grambling 
Oakland right now is the only winning record at seven and you know, they 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 beat Colorado and they're playing about as well as anybody right now. Um, so I, I think those three teams will be battling and we and with the new SWAC scheduling, some of these teams are only gonna be playing once in the season. So this year we go to Southern and we go to Grambling. Sometimes we'll see those teams and uh, uh, we're coming off, you know, the Texas Southern and Prairie trips and, and it's going to be a real, and I, I talked with our women's coach about it. I think Coach Bussey would agree that it's going to be a dogfight every game. And we open up with the three newest coaches in the league, Jackson State, Alabama State, and A&M have first-year head coaches. So it's going to be a it's going to be a chess match trying to figure those things out right off the bat, even though we're at home. So, I, I you know, as much as we talk about football, there's just as many storylines in basketball. George Ivory now at Mississippi Valley as the head coach there, that 2-3 zone. You know, what, what What kind of talent is he going to incorporate there? You know, we, we lost our guard. Otis Walker, broken wrist, had surgery a couple of weeks ago. He's out for a period of time. That's something to talk about. Uh, we talked about Grambling. Texas Southern has had some struggles, even though they're playing a brutal non-conference schedule. But we got to go to Houston the first go around. We got to play at Texas Southern. So it's I think you're going to see a lot of different pieces moving which team can stay healthy, which team can stay consistent. So we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm kind of looking forward to it. And even Nate Kilburn on the women's side said it's going to be a dogfight every every game. Jackson State's not the same JSU team. Amisha Williams Holiday is no longer there, but they're still very good. So, But I think they can be beat. And so I think that's going to add a lot of flavor to the women's side of it as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to January 2nd to see how this all unfolds. Well, it's right around the corner. But Jackson State still has the common denominator, Coach Reed. Just outstanding. And as the odds-on favorite on the women's side, everything else, I think it is it, going to be a fight, you know, for second place. But, hey, on paper, it's one thing. You got to actually go out and get it done. We're going to take a timeout. Coach Petaway is waiting to join us here on the Carlos Brown Show. Uh, we'll get his perspective on swag basketball. Who? What coaches? Who? Who on the hot seat? On the warm seat? Who is it important for them to do well? I've just co- I've just put Coach Wood on the hot seat. That's just my opinion. But we shall see. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. We shall return shortly. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. It's like a loot machine. Going around town, trying to get down. 
to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. The Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thins reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. Like the human jukebox, 
You know what? Uh, the late Dr. Greg said they were the best conditioned students on the campus. And, you know, there's a down period, but then there's not. I'm sure they're getting ready and practicing uh, as as we speak, or at least when the semester starts back. Uh, joined by uh, Coach Van Petaway. Uh, he's uh, Coach Brown Show's basketball analyst, former men's basketball coach at uh, Alabama and m Coach, good afternoon. Happy holidays. Happy Kwanzaa to you, sir. Good afternoon. I'm happy to be here, and I hope everybody had a, a joyous and, and prosperous Christmas. Well, Coach, you were, you were messing with me because I, I kind of put Coach Woods on the hot seat um, with Southern University. Uh, conference opener is, uh, is about to start uh, January the 2nd. We've talked a lot of football, but now it's time to talk some basketball. Uh, we saw the, uh, the, the the predictions by the prognosticators. Uh, we'll give you the opportunity. Do you want to kind of reset those predictions? And then, two, right. talk about Grambling State and Alcorn on the men's side. And I still say Jackson State is the team to beat on the women's side. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, on the men's side, you know, the – Everybody picked Texas Southern to win it. They had Alcorn coming in second. Southern was at third. Prairie View was in fourth. Florida, then there was Florida A&M, Grambling, Jackson State, Bethune, Alabama A&M, uh, Alabama State, UAPB. Uh, and then, of course, they had Mississippi Valley coming in toward the end. But early on, we see that, that uh, they may have misspoke when they talked about Grambling. Grambling's playing real well. Uh, right now, they best fit on the men's side. They've had some some uh, some great wins during the preseason. They're looking well, and and it's still early now in the preseason. You you really can't <clears throat> put too much emphasis on it because we have so many uh, teams playing playing up, playing power and and so so like in Texas Southern case, they were picked. First, and they're struggling, and they're like in sixth or seventh place right now. But they played a lot of big teams. They played a lot of uh, huge games, and so their, their overall record is, is is not where they want it to be. They're like four and nine right now. But they have an opportunity with the SWAC season start to uh, to go ahead and and uh, and win some games. You know, they're, they're going to put their emphasis on the SWAC schedule and not necessarily the preseason schedule. They want to use the preseason to just prepare themselves uh schedule. And I think that's what all of these teams have done. And we're just going to see now because Alcorn, uh, they're not being picked second in preseason. Uh, they're behind Alabama and them right now. But this is preseason. When you start talking about uh, playing these conference games, and I think one of the other things you have to take into consideration some of these teams will only play each other once this year. So it's going to be uh, real interesting as to which team can get off to a good start. Uh, I, I think uh, during a conference season, the team that gets off to the best start normally is a team that's going to finish in that top four. So I think getting off to a good start is going to be the key in every situation that you see this year on that men's side. And and when you look at over, if you want to look over at the, at the women's side, of course Jackson State was predicted to win it, 
Alabama State was second. Southern was third. They had Alabama and them fourth. Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Gramlin, Prairie View, Texas Southern, Bethune, Florida A&M, Alcorn State, and then, of course, they had Mississippi Valley uh, bringing up the rear. But as you can see, uh, Alcorn State says uh, we got a lot to say about this uh, this race this year. In the preseason, they they put together some wins. But I'm like you, Carlos. I think until somebody can knock off Jackson State, I think on the women's side, I think they'll be the team that everybody's going to be shooting at. You know, uh, even though Miss Williams is no longer there, they still got a good nucleus coming back, and I think that they'll they'll be ready to play. They, they just haven't shown it so far in the preseason like they did a, a year ago, but I still think that Jackson State, Jackson State's women will be ready to play. Yeah, and, and I said earlier uh, – you know, Coach Reed has done a fantastic job, and I, I'm sure she's going to have that team uh, ready to go. So what I'm hearing, Charles and Coach Petaway, is you can't really judge the team, the teams so far because of their tough non-conference schedule. Albeit, though, um, some big wins on the men's side than previous years. It, you know, Gramlin goes to Vanderbilt. On the road, they defeat them. Uh, their other big win was at home against Colorado. I mean, it, Southern had a big win on the road. And, and, and other ones against California. So, and then, too, uh, it sounds like I'm hearing, guys, that the, the teams that get off to a good start in conference play, that's something we need to watch for at, as well. Charles and Coach Petaway, um, which – coach or coach you believe it is very imperative for them to get off to a good start i i i saw it sound like you you look like you winked your eye there coach Petaway. i know this might be <laughs> tough because you're you're a coach <laughs> but uh well, is that fair is that fair to even talk about it before even they um they played one conference game and i said coach coach woods was going to be on the hot seat and I said that based on where I feel he needs to finish this upcoming season, albeit because he's been there a while now and he's come close. Now would be an excellent time for him to at least make it to the tournament championship and finish in the top three in the regular season. Or am I just crazy as hell? No, 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 you being a fan, you being a you being a Jaguar fan, you know, <laughs> want their team on on top. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I guarantee you, you're not putting more pressure. Uh you can't put mm -hmm. any more pressure on Coach Woods than he's putting on himself. And right now, all 12 coaches in in the SWAT, they want to go a good start. But unfortunately, it's only gonna happen for six teams. Yeah, <laughs> on, 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 only six teams are going to win that first game now. But all 12 coaches right now leading into that first game on Monday, they want to get out to a good start. And that's on both the men and the women's side. Those coaches are preaching that to their to their teams right now. They're saying, hey, all of us, we're in first place right now in the SWAT. Mm -hmm. We're in first place what? right now. Now, what can we do to stay there? You got to come out and win basketball games. And, and, and coach. And, and you know, uh huh, go ahead. 
and and a good start. I guess I'm not talking about one game, but what is a fair evaluation of a good start? The first third of the season or the first five or six conference games? No, it, it used to be before you make the turn, you need to be you 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 mm. you you need you should have established yourself. Now now they, they probably have to look at it a, a, a different way now since you only playing you're not playing everybody twice. But you want to get up when you say a good, get off to a good start. You you want to win your your home games and do no less than split on the road to get to coming out the gate. The, the the best start is to sweep at home and on the road. But every coach that's lining up right now, they're thinking the exact same thing, and they're looking at that schedule. They're looking at their team. They're looking at their injuries. They're looking at Who's been consistent on their ball club in order to come up with a rotation that'll give them an opportunity to get off to the best start in the sweat? Yeah. And Charles, we we talked about um, two two weeks ago, and I still get in conversation and discussions about that. Then, with that being said, guys, how important is it to to you remember two weeks ago we talked about balancing that that non-conference schedule, because I think, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I think if you kind of balance that, and what I mean by balance, not playing 10 or 12 games on the road, but maybe I think we came up with the discussion of maybe four to five, doesn't that give you give your teams a, a better chance to be successful coming into conference play, Charles? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. And, and I think an example of that is our team. Nate Kilbert has gone on the record and as saying, when it comes to his schedule, he doesn't want to have all those games on the road. Um, you know, we we played Southeast Louisiana at home. We played Central Arkansas at home. We played UNO at home. And those are winnable games. Now, he understands that you got to go out and, 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 and step up and play the Colorados and the Baylors. We did that last year. Uh, and so he understands that, but he's going to get some some winnable games at home. And in our conference, I think based on our location, there are enough of those games to go around the Central Arkansas of the world and and some of the other teams that you can play in the league to help balance that out. And even a home and home, there's no money exchanging hands when you do that, though. You know, it's a home and home. Your guarantee is you packing your arena. That's your guarantee. If only a handful of fans show up, then. You, you, you see what happens. And I was on social media the other day, Carlos. You know, Alabama State had a home game, and they, they had a picture of just the, the, the sprinkling of fans that was there, and, like, people were very in the turnout. And, of course, the comments were school is out. There's a lot going on in the community. It's the holidays, all that. But I, I, I think when it comes to a schedule, you have to balance it out. But, again, if your ADs and wheel around, talked about it a couple weeks ago, you know, if you're if, if your charge is to bring in a half million dollars, that's for the men's side, then you gotta figure it out how to do that. You gotta be creative in terms of how you're gonna play your schedule. But I, I wanna ask Coach Petaway a question about that too, by the way. How when you're evaluated as a coach, and you probably it's probably the same now that it was when you were coaching, when your AD evaluates you, your program. How much goes into the non-conference schedule? Knowing your AD is telling you you got to bring in six hundred thousand dollars, and he and you know what's probably going to happen in the win-loss column. 
when you're evaluated overall, does the non-conference schedule go into that evaluation at all? I mean, you look up your one in 10 going into conference, the overall record, even though you did well in conference, does your non-conference record go into your evaluation, go into an evaluation of a coach? And was that the case for you? Well, in, in my experiences, the overall record of it, you know, they you know, they say we're only going to look at the conference schedule, but that's not true. Uh, ha, and, and, yes. Uh, you know, coming coming out the gate, they'll say that. They'll say that for the public. But, but when you get in there one-on-one, they, they evaluate the entire the, your entire work. So, in other words, your entire schedule. And and see, when it comes to scheduling, what, what people need to understand, you got to think about the mental the, the mental status of your players, man. You, you cannot put those guys out there and let them get their brains beat out uh, doing a non-conference schedule and then turn around and expect them to win in the conference. The only way that's going to happen, you better have a veteran team. Because if you got young players on that team, losing, man, losing hurts, man. Losing gets into those kids' minds, and they will not be able to pull themselves out of it. They can have a good team, a team that can win in conference, but because mentally they're out of it because of the non-conference schedule, you, you're not going to get anything out of those kids, man. So that, that's why the balance needs to be there. You got to schedule some games those kids feel comfortable with. Those kids can win. They need to win this. They need to know how it feels to win a game. You can't expect them. You know, you got some rare cases. Yeah, we've we've seen it in the swag before, where uh, uh, those were veteran teams where they went out and and uh, sacrificed their non-conference schedule, played all those games, then they turn around and were able to win the swag. But that's Few and far between. If you don't, if you do not have a veteran team for a portal, it, it it you might be able to do it a little bit more because you're getting experienced players. But if you coming in there with some high school kids and 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 not very many uh, returning players on your team, man, that's tough on the on. That's the mental the mental aspect is something that I don't think these ads are taking into consideration. Because as human beings, you got to have something positive, man, in order to, to build on. And you're not going to have a positive outcome when you're selling all the games and those kids are getting slaughtered every time they hit the floor. And, you know, Coach, that's kind of why I look at maybe peer school games. Like, for instance, uh, Southern went to Southeastern. Wouldn't you consider that kind of a, a – Right. That's a winnable game. And, and lost by 20, by the way, although it was close at first. But but the kind of games I, I look at with a more critical eye, and when you talk about balancing that non-conference schedule, uh, yeah, see more of those. And then sprinkle in a couple of those, I call them guarantee games. Uh, because you remember two weeks ago, we had a, a very entertaining discussion with Willa Brown, and, and I'm, I'm trying to um, – add him on again um, in a minute. I may have to take a, a, a break, but um, you know, these, well, they, they, there he goes there. Yeah. Give us the, the, the AD perspective because, uh, and I know he's going to put it straight to me. Um, no. As far as, as, as these games. 
Carlos, go, go he ahead. got me. When, <laughs> hey, hey, he got me when I, when uh, I said that as a coach, I wouldn't mind playing a game or two to give my kids uh-huh. uh, cost of attendance. And then he, you know, he turned the table on me. He told me, he said, well, <laughs> you're, still, you're still pimping your kids when you do that. But at least, hey, uh, look, they're being paid for their services. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guarantee you, if, if you went if you went to those players and say, hey, fellas, if we play these two games, you will get cost of attendance. I guarantee you the decision will be unanimous. Coach, let's play them. Let's play them. Right. Because the athletes are actually benefiting from it. But but it's a double-edged, it's a two-edged sword. Uh, even though you, you're playing yeah. those games to, to help those kids uh, with the cost of attendance, you still put them out there. And, and, and AD was right. You still doing, you still do, it, it's just doing it another way. You're still doing the exact same thing. Well, I, I did answer yes to it when, when he posed that question. Yeah. Uh, but then I, I think I came with some out of the uh, uh, out of the field uh, remark behind <laughs> it because basically I said, you know, hey, a thousand dollars versus a hundred, I'm gonna take the thousand. But yes, I'm still uh, taking one for the team. I think I believe it is that. Uh, but right. but cost of but cost of attendance <clears throat> comparable to nil. It can't to me nil is quick and short term. Cost of attendance is something that could be long-term, uh, Wheeler. Can can you compare, compare and contrast NIL versus cost of attendance? Or is cost of attendance something that should be looked at more of doing it? Because Coach Banks, the director of Southern, um, he, he came on the show and talked about that's what Southern's trying to do for their student-athletes. I think cost of attendance has the ability to affect everybody, whereas NIL is going to affect only those so, players that are popular, that are marketable right. themselves, mm-hmm. like starting right. quarterback, starting running back, your star receiver or something like that. But, yeah. you know, cost of attendance has an opportunity to affect everyone. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's why the cost of attendance to me outweighs anything that NIL can can bring to the table. Uh, plus right. the fact that NIL is not, how can I put it, the longevity factor in terms of mm-hmm. NIL is not there, uh, as opposed to the longevity factor in terms of the potential of cost of attendance. So, you know, you're able, to, in my opinion, you're able to cover more ground if you're able to do cost of attendance than you are NIL, which only concerns itself with a certain number, a limited number of players, that sort of thing. Yeah, because because it's interesting because you mentioned quarterbacks and they, they're getting those deals, their name recognition, but without those big guys up front. Yeah, I mean. I mean, uh, what about uh, O-linemen, D-linemen? And these guys uh, are only human. These guys are only human. And at mm-hmm. what point in time does that doubt or whatever, jealousy or whatever it is you want to yep. call it, kind of creep in? You know, here my jersey's getting dirty and, you know, I'm keeping folk up off this guy and he ain't even buy me a burger last week. 
You know, so you know, maybe, I need to, maybe I need to slip and fall on one to kind of who, who's in charge. Who's actually in charge up there. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll start to share the wealth or what is saying the Godfather, wet my beat. You know, so it's it's something that that kids, you know, kids nowadays, they think about those things. Yeah. I mean, it's something something to be thought about. That's for sure. And, and, you know, we talked about it before, guys. And and I will say this. I I think it's um, it's a tough job, a director of athletics. I mean, they're the CEO of the athletic department. You got to have a good staff. Uh, put together, and and, and now, uh, guys, with the, the the mindset that we're in now, as far as the sports world, it's instant gratification. There's no honeymoon period, and and, and even uh, whether you're in the SIAC, the CIAA, the SWAC, it's kind of different now. It's it's win and win quickly. How do you combat that? If you're a director of athletics or or, or or men's basketball coach or football coach, do you block out all of that, knowing that in this time you got to win quickly? How 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 do you how do you work in this 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 new era? I call win win now. Well, I, I think you got to have an understanding with your particular president, and that's where it all starts. You know, I read somewhere a while ago where somebody was stating that the uh, most competitive coach on your campus is not your football coach. It's the president of the university. Yeah. And they're the ones who really drive the machine. And so if you don't have a, an adequate relationship with that guy up top, you know, if, if you don't have a guy or a young lady up top, you know, who is uh, a listener, you know, that lean on your expertise in terms of you being a director of athletics, you know, then, you know, you're pretty much going to be set up for failure. There, there's no doubt about that at all. You know, but I mean, you have to be firm and, and fast in terms of who you are as an athletic director, uh, your methods, should be tried and true, you know, not that you don't listen to anyone or anything such as that, but when you've been in this realm for a long time, you know, you know the recipe for success, and it's a matter of hopefully getting everybody to buy in to that recipe. You know, somebody said anything that that comes quick is not going to last, you know, and you know, our presidents, and that's where it starts. It starts up top. You know, then it trickles down to the alums, that sort of thing. Those are the folk who have to realize that, you know, we're doing this thing for the long haul. You know, and we're going to need everybody's cooperation in terms of uh, getting this done, potentially. But I've always the mindset, Carlos, you don't know what kind of coach you have until year three. You just mm-hmm. don't. You know, by the time you get to year three, the roster has turned over pretty much to the point where 75% of the kids on the roster belong to the current coach at that particular time. 
you know, you know uh, uh, how the kids are dealing with change. You know the coach's mindset. You know uh, how he or she is in terms of X's and O's, that sort of thing. By that third year, you should be able to say, this coach should be around for the long haul, or maybe I didn't do a, a, a hire. Now, you know, the only way I would try to deviate from that, Carlos, is if something dramatic happened, you know, during the early stages, that sort of thing. Coach burned the dorm down or, you know, oh, something. No. <laughs> something that's telling me I've made a bad hire and I need to make a change right away, that sort of thing. But outside of that, I don't think you need to be rushing or, or setting up the, the alarm system after one year, that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, you, you know that in certain situations, coaches take these jobs. They know they're high-pressure jobs. You know, uh, the Southern position is, is one of them. Ain't no doubt about that. You know, and there are a few other schools out there that, you know, you know coming in the door that, you know, the, the, before you even get a chance to sit on it, you know, but you know that upon taking the job. You know, mm. But, you know, my philosophy, Carlos, is the same when it comes to dealing with student athletes. You know, I don't think you know what kind of player you have at least until year two, you know? I mean, very few kids come right in and burn it up nowadays, especially on our level, you know? And to expect every kid to come in and tear it up right away is not being realistic. I, I won't allow a coach to get rid of a kid, Carlos, after one year, unless that kid has done something dramatic on campus or, you know, he or she is just not going to class. Mm -hmm. That's not getting it done, that sort of thing. But, you know, if, if, you, if you're telling me that this ain't the kind of kid for my program, you know, then I got to question you as a coach in terms of, well, did you do your homework? You know, when you recruited this kid, you know, did you go into the school and talk to the instructors? Did you stop by the cafeteria and talk to the cafeteria worker? Did you ask the janitor in the hallway? Yep. You know, what kind of interaction they had with he or she, that sort of thing. See, I, I'm an old school kind of guy, Carlos. And when I was coaching, these are the things that we right. did right. when we went to the schools. You know, right. we didn't see the English teacher or the math teacher or, right. you know, something like that. You know, I wanted to see the cafeteria worker. I wanted to see the janitor, the people who clean up the locker room. You know, what you think about so-and-so? You know, tell me tell me your feelings on them, that sort of thing. You know, I got more yeah. information that way than I did from any instructor. Hell, his grades tell me what he can do academically. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, we just have to be more accountable, I think, and try not to succumb to the pressures of, you know, these these particular jobs. But like I said, Carl, it all starts up top. You know, you've mm -hmm. got to have a president that has confidence in your ability to lead the department. You know, a president that's going to work with you, that's going to try his or her damnness to get you 
the things that you need in order to be successful, you know, and then you have to be able to relay that, you know, to your coaching staff, to your administrative staff, you know, and that everybody's on the same page and we, we're moving forward all the time, you know, and those mm-hmm. times when uh, people are going to try to divide, you know, your staffs and all that sort of thing, because you know it's coming. You know, you're going to hear the whispers from out in the community and all that sort of thing. But, you know, that's the time you have to circle the wagon, you know, as a team, as an athletic administrative team, everybody. And like, look, you know, we, we're all in this thing together. Let's go on and fight this thing and go on and do what we need to do in order to get it done. Um, and see, the Carlos, that, this is the type yeah. of this is the type of athletic director a coach would want to work for because – you know, the, the things that he's talking about, now the only, per, only person that I think he missed, I would have been talking to the students. I like going mm-hmm. around campus asking the students what they think about that athlete. How, how mm-hmm. is he? How does he interact with you all as students? But he's right. Man, you you got you to gotta do your homework. And I'm, I guess I'm still old school because if I recruit right now, character is going to be a big part of it. And I want to find out from somebody else. The coach is going to sell you the a great – he's a used car salesman. He's going to tell you that's the greatest <laughs> kid out there because he's looking He's looking to make himself or herself look good by getting their kids a scholarship. But you go, you go to people to find out uh, how a kid is acting on that campus. And I think that, I think that is the biggest thing, uh, one of the biggest things that you can do. And then uh, – like AD Brown, like AD said, if you can, you can tell about your players and about your coach in about three years. That's why two-year contracts don't work. Mm-hmm. A two-year contract does not work. You're not giving that coach or those players an opportunity to develop. Three to four years is is what coaches should be. Well, more, I say more than three. It should be a recruiting class. You need a recruiting class to see whether or not those kids. Uh, can help you win a championship. By that third year, he's correct. You should see progress. You should see progress. Wow. And and as a coach, well, you- I wouldn't have a problem with that. As a coach, I would not have a problem with that. I would ask any administrator, you got to give me a recruiting class before you really uh, decide what you need to do with me. And I think mm-hmm. that's only fair. Mm-hmm. Um, ahead, isn't it? Well, I, I, I know I know Charles is, is is has that little smirk on his face because um, basically I think some people think that I believe in three year contracts. No, no, I didn't say that. I'm telling you that at Southern <laughs> University, and a former board director told me. Uh, I mean, he told me some other Charles words as well. Yeah, that's one of my famous. <laughs> versus Tony Clayton there. But he said the days of five-year contracts were over at Southern University. And if you look now what contracts they do, it's usually now three to four. So, Charles, no, I I never said I was in favor of that, but I was just telling you uh, those five-year contracts, especially now, but now that's just how they do it at Southern University. That's just Southern University. and other schools maybe four to five years, and point well taken, Coach Petaway and um, Willa Brown. Uh, we got about 20, 21 minutes left. Um, someone in the chat room wanted to uh, you guys to 
explain the cost of attendance. And then earlier, uh, Wheeler, um, we were talking about, of course, those non-conference schedules. And the last time you were on, I think you gave the example of when you were at North Carolina A&T, you rewarded the basketball coach for playing those type of games because they had to bring so much money into the program. Because if you look at their record, it's not good because they play all of those games. But the cost of attendance, explain that. And I don't know if you can do it in a short answer, but. I, 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 I think I, I'll try. Let me, let me put, I'll give it the old college try. Uh, cost of attendance includes tuition fees, room and board, course-related books, and any kind of ancillary things that may go along with uh, being a college student. You know, X amount of dollars for, let's say, auxiliary-type meals, things, entertainment, things of that nature. Anyway, most schools set that number for themselves. So I'm going to use, I'll, I'll just use Southern University as an example. Let's say uh, tuition fee, room boards, course-related books at Southern is 20000 Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of schools will add on, let's say, another four to five thousand in terms of the ancillary type things. Just the cost of being a student, you know, being able to go out on, uh, you know, get a meal or, you know, thing, things of that nature. So let's say uh, where tuition fees, room and board, course related books. That Southern comes to twenty thousand dollars a year. Let's say the school tax on another five thousand in terms of cost of attendance. Okay, uh, the student athlete therefore would be able to recoup that four thousand or five thousand uh, fee in terms of a refund at the end of the day. Maybe it's like $2,000 a semester or $3,000 a semester or, or what have you. And so that's what we mean when we say cost of attendance. So we go past the traditional stuff, tuition fee, room and boards, course-related books. We add in things such as the cost of being a, a college student, you know, mm-hmm. being able to go out, being able to entertain, you know, being able to do things that most college students do but don't have the dollars in order to do so. And so that's pretty much the difference right there. What it, what it does is that the NCAA allows the institutions themselves to set that number in terms of what is cost of attendance. Right. And right. so <clears throat> a lot of times you may uh, see of these battles where I'm going to just throw two schools out there. Let's say uh, USC cost of attendance is $25,000. let us say Michigan's cost of attendance is $29,000 or $30,000. You know, so kids pretty much know that if I go to Michigan, I'm going to get more money back at the end of the day than than if I decide to go to USC. You know, the little Mm -hmm. battles within a battle, you know, that are happening uh, with the schools, in terms of exactly 
what is cost of attendance and you know how that how that figures in that sort of thing. But that's that's pretty much how that goes, Carlos, in, in a nutshell, without digging in too deep and trying to get technical with it, that sort of thing. Right. And, and Carlos, one of one of the mm-hmm. one of the, the main things that they got in there is uh, your cost of attendance will be different. It's based on where you live. In other words, mm. how much does it how much does it cost me to come from Huntsville to Baton Rouge? You know, so that that that's how that's how schools are able to make a different amount because it's actually based on some of the money is based on how much it costs you to go from your home of record to that institution. They get they get away with giving out different amounts, but on the HBCU level. I've, the only thing that I've ever heard is that the institution, like he said, comes up with a dollar amount that they want to give to the athletes, and that's what they give. Hmm. Huntsville to Baton Rouge, for example. That's interesting. Yep. Uh, right. From right. the outside looking in, Huntsville is is uh, up and growing. <sighs> Cost of living? Prob- Would I be for yeah, to we, say it's higher than Baton Rouge? Yes, yes, we're hot cows there, and that's because of Redstone Arts and the military base. Yes, gotcha. And NASA. Yeah. Well, I know Coach Banks has talked about at Southern, and and I guess how, I guess the other question would be, how do you finance it? As far as and, and this is where our alums comes in and businesses. I'm from. Where does the money come from? Right. right. Because you definitely can't increase student fees Correct. under the guise of well, now we got to pay for cost of attendance. You know the regular. Right, but AD Brown, AD Brown, let me play. Let me play the game and keep that money for the athletes. Mm-hmm. Let me play a game and keep that money for the athletes. Hmm. I know it. The athletes know it. I guarantee you. If if you were to put it to a vote, hey, it's one hundred percent. <laughs> oh. You know, my my thing is, coach. You know, it and, and it it sounds good theoretically. Oh, you know, here but comes a but. If you if you're in a sport where you know you're able to get guaranteed monies, then that sounds good. You know, but you know, what about softball? What about you know baseball? What about track and field? You know, uh, uh, you know, what about volleyball? You know, you have to take those things into consideration also. Plus the fact that uh, if my budget, let's say I got a $10 million budget and my budget is already, all that, all those monies are already included in that. You know, now if I have to subtract that money from the budget, then where are the other funds going to come from in terms of taking care of those other needs that are already in the budget. Yeah. Right, so, right. I mean, it, yeah, it, 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 it's it's difficult tough. now. There's right, no doubt right. about that. Difficult, you know. And, uh, I mean, we can, you know, ask alums to give a little more of that sort of thing. We all know what that's about. And, uh, you know, we can ask the, the university to, you know, support, you know, the, the, the sports a little more. But we also know what that's about. And, you know, it's all going to fall back on the athletic director again at the end of the day. 
you know, what somebody going to say, what I feel like AD need to be out there raising more money, that sort of thing. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost, you know, damn if you do, damn if you don't. But, you know, there's got to be a way, like you said, somehow in order to get it done, you know, but it's not something that you're going to be able to do just wholeheartedly. You know, you got to do it in incremental steps, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, you have to come up with a system where, you know, you know, everybody is not going to get an adequate amount of money all the time, or you're going to have to break it down to where everybody's getting a little bit as opposed to a few people getting a lot, you know, that sort of thing early on, you know, while you try to work your way in that sort of thing. So it's going to be interesting, Carlos, to see how coach banks uh, handles that, you know, at the, uh, at the end. and are you doing it only for those kids that are on full scholarships? Are you doing it for mm-hmm. kids that are on scholarships? Are you doing it for walk-on kids? You know, I mean, you know, so because the minute you give a kid a walk-on kid money's like that, you know, then in essence you're making them a scholarship player. Exactly. So they're going to count towards your limits, your limits, and all that sort of thing and stuff. So. You really gotta, uh, you know, you really gotta be mindful of of how you navigate the process to make sure that you know you're not going over in terms of, you know, your 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 requisite numbers and and things of that nature. So, yeah. You know, so so we're basically looking at we. I know two weeks ago we talked about a, a, a new way of doing business in athletics, a new business model. But I think it still comes back down to the the more resources you have, the better. And and mm-hmm. are we simply talking about a resource issue and, and a lot of our institutions. How can we make or do the best with what we have? By but then also uh, realizing and understanding that we've got to uh, change, and that costs to to make change. So it is a tough situation. How do we go mm-hmm. forward, though? Do we still mm-hmm. go forward with those and try to make those changes? Or, or do we just say simply we make the commitment, all of those involved commit to 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 having more resources or helping out where we can? The, pre- the president has to be able to see. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know, you gotta go. You gotta move forward, Carlos. There's, there's no doubt about that. But you gotta have everybody on board. Board. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, the vision. Everybody got to see the picture that you're trying to paint. Everybody got to buy into, you know, what it is that you're trying to accomplish, and and move the needle forward in terms of baby steps. But you know, we all like to just dive right in the pool. You know, regardless of how deep the water is, that sort of thing and stuff, and just deal with the fact that we swim once we get in. You know, oh, that's not good all the time. We do that. Yeah. Well, well, I would like to know. I would like to know if, if possible, Mr. Brown, if if you can kind of uh, summarize what it, what it, what would be the cost, the price tag. So you've got a couple hundred student athletes that play all these sports, if you're talking about giving every student athlete something, regardless of the sport, what, what do you think the price tag would be? Let's if you just say, had to get 
let's let's say for instance that you have let's say 240 athletes on scholarship okay mm-hmm. and you want to give each one of those athletes uh $5,000 each uh, now I'm not a math whiz I can't uh, uh, add that high but you know <laughs> that's pretty much where you would be looking at in terms of of where to start you know, uh, you know, if you can come to an, even if you're only given, you know, 5,000 may be a bit much, you know, my thing is you start with like maybe 2,000, 2,500, you know, and then you try to increase, you know, try to increase things from there, you know, but you, what you definitely mm-hmm. can't do is just give all the money to those that are playing the revenue sports, even though people would think that, you know, that would be the fair and equitable because they're the ones who are quote unquote actually bringing in the money you know at the end of the day you know they are they aren't any more dedicated to their sport than the softball player than the tennis player or what have you you know everybody's putting in time we're just fortunate because we play football you know that people are paying to come and see us play you know but it doesn't diminish the fact that you know, the, the golfer or the tennis player or the soccer player is working just as hard at their craft as we are at ours. So I, I think if we can come to a uh, minimal type of figure, like maybe $2,500 to start off with. Mm-hmm. Every student athlete that's on athletic scholarship, that's getting athletic aid, will be able to qualify for that $2,500 stipend, quote unquote, cost of attendance, that sort of thing. And if we can start by doing that and then incrementally look to bump that up, you know, on a yearly basis or every two years or something like that, I think it will show that, you know, our hearts are in the right direction. We're trying to, you know, improve our lot, that sort of thing, instead of just trying to wait around and see you know, uh, uh, you know what, what's going to happen next or catch the next bolt of lightning in a bottle or, or something like that. So, you know, that to me would be the way to go, you know, I- initially. And then let's see what we can do about maybe trying to increase some things from there. Hope yeah, I the uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at a figure somebody sent me, 240 athletes time, Five thousand would be one point two million, but uh, mm. you know, half of that twenty five hundred may be a good starting uh, uh, point. You know, these discussions you always learn something different. That's why I like to have people that are in the uh, uh, the, the the business that kind of give us the real the real deal. And and I do agree. We got to do something. We got to change the, the the business model. Three directors of athletics they have a tough job four uh it's it's you gotta have a good staff around you you know we're not even talking about the supports we're even talking about the support staff you know as far as uh, the academic side for athletics and then five you have to have people of influence i.e the presidents chancellors to be on board and buy in with um uh, with sports, the athletic director, the student athletes. So we got about three minutes left. 
Um, I dare not get into the transfer portal with Coach Pettaway and Wheeler Brown <laughs> and Charles because that is free agency on the collegiate level. And I don't know if we can keep up with the Joneses per se. No, I don't think we can. But we kind of can be the best that we can be at our level. With that being said, get a closing um, comment from Coach Petaway, A.D. Brown, Willa Brown, and Charles Edmund. Coach Petaway, kind of close a segment, uh, uh, conversation, a uh, statement on what we kind of talked about on, on today's show. Well, for, uh, first of all, I'm looking forward to a great uh, swag season in basketball, both on the men and women's side. And, and I want to thank A.D. Brown for uh, giving us insight from an athletic director's perspective uh, and I think that uh, we have certainly been educated on some of the things and, and, and the rationales behind how some of these athletic departments work. And so I, I just want to thank you for, for being open and honest with us. Willer? Well, Carlos, I'm waiting to see how some of these job situations are going to play out in terms of some of these. Uh, <laughs> we don't have enough time, I understand. Uh, yeah, I know we don't. We don't. Of time to discuss that sort of we, thing. We but come back next week, though. Definitely, <laughs> but uh, it's int- it's going to be interesting to see exactly how this thing plays out. You know, I'm I'm hoping folks stop the madness and let's go on and try to get things, you know, back back to some semblance of normalcy. You know that that sort of thing. But you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that continues to uh, play itself out and the trickle down effect that it's having on all the divisions and not just, you know, uh, HBCU division one and, you know, all, all that sort of thing. So, you know, but I really appreciate, you know, you guys having me and, you know, it just makes my Saturday, you know, if ands and buts about that, you know, to be able to talk talk about, you know, with, with three great guys, that sort of thing. So I'm very grateful that you guys, uh, invite me along for the ride, that sort of thing. And, uh, I'm available anytime. Well, I appreciate it. Appreciate that, guys. Can I say this though? Um, we we had a a statement early on in the show, Coach Petaway and uh, and Wheeler about, and I asked Charles about this: the the trend of the celebrity hires of the extravagant names. Charles said it. You're going to see more of it. So I'm just going to go out and limb and say, Willie, you're not really. For that, you're for the traditionalists, uh, the guys who have uh, paid the price, and they're looking for opportunity. Coach Petaway, see, like, if I had to start a basketball program, I'm an AD, I'm definitely coming to Coach Petaway, and he's going to have to tell me no. And if he does, then maybe you can recommend somebody because I still believe in old school, but then I know it's we're in a new school, so we got to combine combine that. But I guess we'll save that for uh, next week. Charles? It's been a wonderful 2022. Blessed to be here for 2022. And I love the drama of what's going on in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. I love it. Look, I mean, five, six, seven years ago, you didn't have that. Now there's no shortage of storyline, even in basketball. I love where the swag is going. I love the way this thing is going. Have a blessed 2023 and happy new year. 
Yep. Well, I'll just be I'll just be quick and, and happy uh, New Year's to everyone involved. Hopefully, it'll be a, a, a even better year for those in 2022 that didn't have quite the year that they want to. Hang on, hang on. The best is is yet to come. Uh, Charles Charles says drama. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't like drama as much. Because my, my grandmother would say, that's mess. God rest, <laughs> God, God rest our souls. But I will say this. The, uh, under the leadership of the conference, Dr. McClellan, uh, we wish the best for him. All of the coaches, the student athletes, we wish the best for you in 2023. I, I kind of like it from a historical standpoint. This conference, black college, that has been very good and it still will be good we want the leadership to have a great year as well whether it's the siac ciaa the swag and the MIAC. because at the end of the day we gotta make sure our institutions are here and viable and we sometimes will <clears throat> agree to disagree on certain topics but it's never personal we just want the best policies and actions going forward. I uh, want to thank uh, the Black College Sports Network. Another year wrapped up. Roy, CEO, all of my colleagues from Dr. Kenyatta Cavill inside HBCU Sports Lab, the ONG Factor, uh, Brian Fulford, AD, Black College Sports Rap, everyone affiliated with the network. They have a fundraiser. Please, Please, you can go on my website on Facebook, Carlos Brown Show, to see where you can donate to a, a, a very, very worthy cause, the Black College Sports Network. Talking about historical and standing the test of time, Black College Sports Network has. And uh, Melody, I we appreciate you as well. To everyone who tuned in and watched during the year, we appreciate you. Have a happy new year. And make sure you tune in next Saturday at... Uh, 11 a.m. for another edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. And to you too, Charles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Until next Saturday, as always, peace and God bless. God If you're struggling to lose weight, 